Hello and welcome. Welcome back to the Temple Podcast. Welcome back. Um, if you're already a listener, welcome. If you're new to the space, it's a pleasure to have you here. Um, my name is Edward Pike. I'm the creator and the founder of the Temple. And it's been a little while. It's been a little while since we've had any new podcast episodes. And the reason for that is that, like many of us, uh, myself and my work have been going through some very profound changes, which are slowly now trickling into uh, the temple, this podcast and other aspects of my work. And I won't share too much about it today. I'll be, I'll be sharing more about it little by little over, over future uh, recordings. But what I just want to say is that the clarity that's coming through is that the temple is very much a space dedicated to learning and to learning through through receiving, exploring and sharing uh, wisdom through the stories, um, the insights, the experiences of, of some of the awakening leaders, healers, teachers, creatives uh, of our time. So from now on, under every piece of content that we offer, may it be a blog, a podcast, a roundtable, you'll always find some practical steps, some invitations for you to go deeper into that information so, you can, so that you can really receive it, integrate it, make it relevant to you and, and apply it in a way that's practical. So this could be, for example, journaling prompts or contemplation questions, and always also an invitation to share what you're discovering in the comments, because that helps not just you get some more clarity, but it also helps others who are reading the comments to, to, to go deeper into their learning and into their journey. Now, from now on as well, every month we are going to dive into one specific topic and everything we do will be centered around that topic. So this month we kick off in April with uh, creativity. And there's no one better really than to kick this off than Tom Evans, who is my guest in this episode. Tom Evans is a very prolific creator. He's an, the author of at least 15 books, uh, including one, uh, a couple that we actually talk about in the podcast called Soul Waves Insertions and the upcoming third part of the Soul Wave series called The Duodex. Uh, he's a composer, a meditation teacher, and you'll see if you go to his Insight Timer or Soundwise profiles, just how prolific he is with a whole catalogue of meditations, of courses, of recordings for people to access. And I, I really love this conversation with Tom. Uh, you'll see that we dive into the mechanics, really, of uh, channeling, of channeling our creativity, or as Tom calls it, to channel in, which really means to bring through what is already created. So Tom has this innate capacity for understanding the, the magical reality the magical nature of our reality and for explaining it to, to others. He is a former broadcast engineer for the BBC and as he says, he switched his attention from the magic of TV to the magic of the mind. And the result is just a whole body of work dedicated to making the esoteric exoteric, to asking big questions and making what seems complex as simple as possible. So some other themes that we touch on on the podcast are creativity as a way to bring divine order to chaos, the power and importance of meditation to access the invisible and formless realms and to, to, make, to bring them into form, uh, taking conscious control of our chakras, our role as caretakers of the planet, and our true potential as creatives and bringers of wisdom. So all in all, a beautiful and very powerful conversation, which I invite you to, to, to take in with an open mind, an open being, um, and to really let, let it move you and let it just notice what emerges and resonates uh, through, the, through the information, through the stories, and through what Tom has to share. So... Before you dive in, let's just take a deep breath together. Yeah, nice. And from there, sit back, relax, and enjoy this podcast. Mm -hmm. 
Okay, here we go. Hi, Tom. Good to see you. Hello. Good to be here. Yeah. Oh, I'm very looking much looking forward to this conversation. I've uh, been experiencing your work for the past few months with the course, the How to Channel Your Book course and, and your book, Soul Waves and Sessions. So really keen to kind of get under the bonnet with understanding a bit more about who you are, what kind of you know, what path you've taken to, to, to be the creator, the conscious creative being that you are, and maybe getting a sense of how others can learn from that, what they call, we can learn from your experience and your wisdom for people to, to kind of find their own gifts and, and, uh, and do their own act of service in whatever shape or form that takes. So we'll start with a ritual question. Um, you to explain in your own words what what is your magic what do you do how what do you bring to the world currently well i i, I say at the back of a couple of my books in the about the author section um tom still doesn't know what he wants to do when he <laughs> oh yes bear in mind i turned 63 a couple of weeks ago uh and and and, and i think that the, the the magic the coming together of the magic is simply this is that you know for when you start out in life, you know, I, I did a degree in electronics and had a, a conventional career at the BBC and with Sony, and then I formed my own business. You know, you can't, you kind of, you're thinking in those times of, of, of money and mm. the separation from your, your family and, and making your way in the world. And, and I was always fascinated by technology. So I thought that's, that's my world. That's great. I love it. You know, I love all this high tech stuff and, yeah. and making things. And, you know, I had a few patterns to my name and all this sort of stuff. So I've always been quite a creative person. But alongside that journey became the journey of, um, of, of stress and money worries and, you know, trying to add employees I had to feed. I'd, I'd often every month pay my employees and not pay myself and all yeah. this kind of stuff. You know, all of those things happened uh, until my mid forties. And, 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 and I was, I was driving this career, you know, I was evolving from broadcast engineer and then as technology came about and the internet took over I'd, and got in, involved with the internet industry thinking that the, the evolution of technology was my evolution yeah. uh, until my mid-40s when I just um, got exited from my second big business and I realized I was really stressed and then someone said you need to meditate and that's where the big switch came that's where the big switch came because that's when my path was revealed to me mm. up to that time I was trying to define the path mm. as you would do with a you know inverted commas a career at that yeah. point it got revealed to me that hey you can write some books and then uh, and then some other people got in touch and said um oh could you help me write a book and so i'd help other people write a book and uh and I thought, oh there's a nice new career and and thinking that was then it you know i could just write books and be paid to write books by working in the industry i thought that will do me right until i when i retire obviously the universe had a different plan because i put some meditations with my first books and um and the meditations classically were buy the book, come to my website, give me your email address, download a free meditation, and then I'll try and flog you something. That was the classic marketing model. I mm. think still, people still use that. I've given up using it many years ago. Yeah. Uh, then the meditations got discovered. I thought I was an author with meditations on the side. Then the meditations got discovered by the app that were both on Insight Timer. Then the meditations took off. Right. And so I became a meditation teacher without having gone in an ashram and studied meditation with books on the side. And then you think, that's it. That's it for the rest of my life. But then this book that I wrote before any of my other books came out a couple of years ago, uh, a, f a fictional book called Soul Waves. And, and I thought, wouldn't it be nice if I recorded some music? To, you know, so you, you'd read the book and, and play, play the music in the background, some ambient music, which should also go behind my meditations. So a brand new career got revealed to me last year, which I didn't know. So it was, non, it was like techie person, non-fiction author, meditation guide, and then now mm. fictional author and, um, and ambient music composer. Yeah, yeah. But they're, they're all functional things. Yeah. Overarching all of this is a layer of mysticism and, yes. and this desire to make the esoteric exoteric. Mm. Oh, make the esoteric exoteric. Oh, that's juicy. So it's making one letter change. Yeah. Letter yeah. And you're king of that in your books, and just the way you express yourself, and kind of you know really like the way you express intuition. Is it inner inner tuition? You have you have these ways yeah. of, of of using words to really kind of as you say make the make the esoteric exoteric and make that make the the form formless into form and the intangible into something very tangible. Is that something you've always you've always felt 
an ease with doing? You've always had this connection with this ability, this creative yeah, ability. I've always, yeah, I've always loved words. And I think I got from my mother a, um, a real passion for etymology. Yeah. And, uh, and first of all, I must say, I do not, that, that intuition thing came from a guy called Paul Foster Case, who wrote okay. a book called <laughs> The Key to the Wisdom of Ages. I, I, I picked that up from him. But when you put a hyphen in a word or go back and look at its original uh, etymology, it gives much meaning to that word. So, for example, inspiration comes yeah. from inspire, which is to breathe in spirit. And we don't think about that we always speak on an outbreath. And so we've got the expiration. Uh, the inspiration is when we feed in stuff, and then mm. expiration is when we express ourselves. Invention is quite a good one. If you, if you strip that down and put hyphens in it, it's in vent to invent something which which kind of gives you a clue that inventions don't come from us but kind of through us and then if you take other words and, and split them down like that i love doing that all the time so you can be mindful then you can take off the mindful bit and put on timeful and then put on kindful there's a great app called um, a great website called urban dictionary where you can claim yeah. new words so i've got i've got timeful in there i've also got <laughs> mindful well, so you can be mindful, and I did a meditation about how you can sip a glass of wine mindfully. And I suppose the idea there is, to, is not only to have is exploration, but also to put a bit of fun into it as well mm. to make it accessible to people who wouldn't all all get into this stuff. Yeah, you know what I mean. But behind behind mindfulness is mindfulness at the same time. You know, that if you want to have a glass of wine, I know some people probably don't drink alcohol. I, I'm cutting down at the moment, but if you have a glass of wine, then all the things that went into it to make that, to put that in front of you, huge. You know, we just take these things for granted. And uh, by taking, stripping things back, mm. we learn so much about um, who we are, what we are, and the world around us being a magical place mm. in which we can also be magical. Mm. And it's such a beautiful metaphor, the way that the way you're describing, you know, looking at the roots of the words and adding hyphens to the words. Because it's like often when we're, you know, we're in life, we're, we're learning words and we're writing, we're reading, but we don't actually stop and, and look. And what you're doing or what you're inviting with, with this is to even one word to just to be able to go beyond it and to go into the esoteric. So the, the expression is that word. And yet by kind of just adding a hyphen or looking at the etymology, there's a whole new meaning and a whole new invisible world that emerges, which is kind of just kind of, mm. you know, encapsulated in that, in that one word. And my sense is that that is yeah. what something that you do beautifully, you know, from what I've experienced of the, the, your course, your books, your meditations. This is something that, you know, you you teach and you 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 do just naturally and instinctively. Is that right? Well, words. If you think about words themselves, they um, yeah. every new word that we take on board, we either learn a new word or we create a new word expands our consciousness yeah. the um the book channeling course that you've been on the zooms you've been on recently i did them live did that live ages ago in london to a group of about 60 people um, with the alternatives group and uh, at the end of this one day how to channel a book course i did a polish girl came up to me at the end of it she said tom you can't deliver that course in polish we haven't got the words yet oh yeah that described <laughs> you're talking about so I, I didn't realize that you know language itself oh. different languages kind of either limit or expand our our appreciation of of you know the the, the, the universe in a way so when you create a brand new word which i i love doing as well like the word soul wave right yeah. there is this, other people use that word but not in the context i'm using it it actually makes you think about some things in a completely different way that you couldn't have done before the word existed which is kind of interesting and then when you hyphenate a word so you can have the word soul wave or you can have the word soul hyphen wave yeah. it's got a completely different connotation just by that a simple application of a hyphen mm. Mm. that's beautiful and there's something that really yeah, is jumping out at me as you speak to that is that the, the the language and how language is that um can be the kind of doorway between the two worlds the physical and the non-physical and that there's a real like there's a real potential for expression, something that is, you know, very intangible. And I know a lot of people listen to this podcast, a lot of you know, including myself and and of course the audience, struggles have struggled a lot with that in the past of kind of owning the more intangible, the more invisible, the kind of more formless connection or the understanding of 
what is you know spirit spirituality source whatever people words people want to, to give to it and i guess a question that's also from you know me personally is do you because from way I, the way I, I perceive you now as someone who's very grounded and very successful even in, you know, in making the formless into form and, and bringing these spiritual metaphysical concepts esoterical and make, giving them a, a tangibility and approachability that people can really access and connect to and receive. And I'm just wondering if you have any words of wisdom or about your own journey, your own experience of... Um, being able to accept or own that gift that you have and that talent to, to make that more intangible part of life of us into something that's tangible. If that makes sense, if, if I'm expressing myself, okay. No, it's, it's a beautiful question. It really is. And, and it's a deep question. We could just yeah. we could do a whole, a whole series of podcasts just exploring it. But in a kind of nutshell, um, I guess what happened with me was, I found this world, I came into this, this world of uh, the esoteric from an engineering perspective, trying to understand things. And when I was an engineer, I, I was very good at explaining stuff about high technology. So I was like uh, Sony's top camera expert, you know. So I'd go into broadcasters and say, this is how this latest technology works. Yeah. This is why you want to buy it. And I'd be the sort of, I'd be the, the sort of second uh, stooge behind the salesperson, you know, explaining all the technical stuff to them. And then when I discovered this world of um, esoterics, the thing that really jumped out for me was this book by Paul Foster Case. I mentioned the key to the wisdom of ages. Yeah. And I, I knew nothing about the tarot or anything like that, but I found the tarot. It's not a, it's not a deck or that helps you do does fortune telling. You can do that with it, but that's a bit like um, having a car, having a Ferrari in a garage and, and just sitting in it. And, and that the tarot is a map of us. It tells mm. us about us. And the major arcana tells us about, 22 modes of consciousness that we can experience and i wrote a book about that called flavors of thought so i took it i took the 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 map of the arcana and put it into a modern modern idiom with a metaphor of flavors and what you can do with flavors is combine together and make recipes the recipes that combine the keys together and they are keys to awakening uh actually are spells Right, but I, I, I modernise that, and then this is the real key in the reality of question. The minor arcana describes the four elements. So each of the suits is one of the elements: the mm. fire, air, uh, water, and, and earth. And and if you understand that this, we got four consciousness layers. And I, 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 when someone introduced the four elements to me, I thought that was bonkers. You know, there's 92 elements, isn't it? How can you have these elements? And realise they had a metaphorical context. And we can tune into these different layers. If you just tune in to the fire layer, you will have idea after idea after idea after idea, and you'll never get anything done. Mm -hmm. But when you tune into the fire layer and you realize a seed idea has just come in, and then you bring it down to the creative layer. Now, in some models, the, the, the air and the water layer, layer are, are changed. But in, my, in the model I'm using, the water layer is the next layer. That's the layer of fluidity. So the idea can come in, and you can do lots of things with it. Mm. It's still fluid. Then it moves down into what you call the, so it goes from the, the, the archetypal plane, which is fire, down to the creative plane, which is water and fluidity. Then you move down to the formative plane, and that's where you come up with a plan. Mm. Oh, I've got this. So with this idea, the seed idea, I can do three things. Oh, I'll do number one first, and then I'll do number two, then I'll do number three, because they, they, oh, that would be the best way for it to happen. Then you move it down into the earth plane, and that's where it becomes into physical form. In the middle, you're right in the middle of all the four planes, so your heart centers in the middle of it. Um, the moon, which is absolutely fascinating, maps onto these things as well. So you can even drive these projects to the moon phase. So um, a new moon to quarter one is when the fire element is most active in our consciousness. Then quarter one to full moon is when the uh, creative plane uh, will tap into the creative plane. Then you can move into the formative plane and then into the the earth plane so i do a lot of stuff to the moon phase as well a lot mm -hmm. of projects that, yeah. that fit that sort of time scale work to the moon phase and it's, when you do that you just end up with this amazing temporal flow time expands opportunities drop in at your door so just as you're working on a project just the thing you don't know you need drops in on your timeline mm -hmm. in a more spectacular way than you can ever have imagined mm -hmm. and life becomes bliss mm -hmm. And, so, magic and fun 
And magic and fun, yeah. And what you're really speaking to is, is a is structure, right? And something you talked a lot about in your, in your channeling, channeling your book course was structure and receiving a, a structure, a container to kind of bring this wisdom into a way that, that feels right, that feels good. So I'm guessing that's also due, due to your engineering background and kind of, as, as you said, tinkering and understanding how things work and kind of being able to kind of describe or give a, a certain manual of, of operation for things. But there's, there's something around the word structure and you, saw, you also use the word model that really resonate for me. So I'm curious if you have any more insight into, into how, how you use you know, models and structures to, to bring through divine wisdom, let's call it. Well, fantastic question. I guess what got me into this structure thing was um, when I started to look into left and right brain. You know, the classic model is that the left brain is is logical and the right brain is creative. Yeah. That came from research that an amazing guy did in the in the sixties, nineteen sixties. Uh, Roger, Professor Roger Sperry, and he, he he worked on people that had epilepsy, and he found if he cut the corpus callosum in the middle of the brain, the epilepsy would um, would reduce. But he found out that then if he blocked um, the left eye, which goes into the right brain, so that that would force someone into left brain only mode, and he went the other way around. You can go into right brain only mode. Um, and, and, and he said, see, people seem to be more logical. People seem to be more creative. So that snuck into a myth. But nowadays, there's been lots of research into how left and right brain really works. Mm. And there's logical areas in our right brain and there's creative areas in our, in our left brain. A better model, and it's still an approximation, is that the left brain works on detail and, the, and learned responses and the right brain works on the big picture. And so I got into mind mapping fairly early on in my writing career. And I discovered that if I mapped the book that I was working on or a project I was working on, right, it gave my big, it gave my right brain something to do. I could, the, the right brain could see the whole picture. Mm. The left brain was then got busy doing all the detail. And almost like when the left brain was busy doing the detail, the right brain would sneak in and do its creative wonderment. You end up in this whole brain state, which is just great. And the other thing that happens is if you've got um, a book structure, so for example, I mentioned that book, the, the Flavors of Thought book, it's mapped on the major arcana. There's 22 keys in the major arcana. When I'd written the 22nd flavor, I didn't sneak on and put another chapter in. There wasn't another chapter, right? So I knew that book was finished. When I wrote the four parts of the Planes of Being book, which is about the minor arcana, that book was finished. When I wrote the four quarters of a book called Managing Time Mindfully based on the 12, I used the 12-hour clock as my structure, I knew that book was finished. When I wrote the 12 insertions that you read recently, yeah. the fictional book, there were 12 insertions, you know, and, and, and I'm drawing parallels now, going backwards in time is why this number 12 keeps coming up in our lives as well. Yeah. And even the book, I mean, actually, I, the latest book, I'm using the number 22 again yeah. as a structure. So I know when I get to number 22, that book is done. Now, other stuff will come in. And I'll then um, put that into book four, book five, and so on, that sort of stuff. So, yeah. so structure works because it helps you sort of get things done and ground it into the earth plane yeah. and bring things to a lovely conclusion. Yeah. And that works also for the consumer as well. They know when it's coming to a conclusion. In the same way, when you listen to a piece of music, if it starts, in, it starts with the note C, you know it will end on the note C. Mm. That's the way our kind of music works and resolves. Mm. And it gives it kind of a, a rhythm, doesn't it, as well? It gives a rhythm and a continuity and a, a kind of a way for people to receive it in, as you say, in a way that's kind of more, I don't know, what's the word? Accessible, I guess, when there's a structure. It's accessible when it's all over the place. You know, taking music is a good example. You might have heard a piece of music where it's all over the shop and it's just really awful for the ear, isn't it? It's really terrible. And the same with let's say writing or any form of creativity when there's when it feels like you know there's all this chaos and the word that comes to mind is um is order there's a certain divine order um that can happen through creativity and through, through yeah through creativity and through, through specific creativity that is maybe channeled from from the place where there is divine order so i'm curious curious to hear about your take on that about um yeah creativity being perhaps a a way of bringing order to the chaos is that something you experience yeah you yeah. could you could um you could have kind of argue or theorize that 
that's our role, you know, that, is mm. that we come from we come from the void, we come from nothing. Yeah. We densify into in into the earth plane. And it's almost like you could imagine that we've been sent down by ourselves to try and make sense of stuff. <laughs> yes. <laughs> exactly. And, and also to to invent with a with a, a conscious hyphen, invent yeah. new ways of being and new ways of doing. You know? yeah. So uh, imagine if the, the universe it wants to evolve and, and, and behind the universe is this, this, this love energy and it wants to evolve and love and appreciate itself. It kind of sends down bits of itself to look back at itself and say, well, well how can we make this work? What else can we do? And that's kind of what, what I'm exploring in, in fiction now, uh, you know, because I found that nonfiction uh, was the certain limits in nonfiction was when you go into a fictional world, you can just make it up. Especially yeah. if it's about the future. <laughs> yeah. And the universe and the cosmos and, all these different levels of reality, which that's, that's been my experience of reading um, insertions, soul waves and shirts insertions is I feel like I've traveled so far just by reading, you know, those stories, which I would never have gone to by reading it in fiction. If you'd sat down and written that as a fiction, you know, this is, this is how life works. Let's say. Yeah. In the nonfiction. Sorry. Whereas with the fiction, like, I feel like, I've experienced all of that, you know, I've traveled, I've been the different, different um, levels of reality, the different counselors, the different, mm. you know, experiences through time and space, which is genius, you know, and it's something, and interestingly, it, it, res- it resonates at a much deeper level inside. Like it really touches something um, that is there or has been there or, I don't know what, you know, it touches that, that kind of deeper or higher level of, of consciousness through, through the fiction. That was an eye opener to, to be able to, you know, I, I love fiction anyway, but to be able to travel so far and to travel so close to what I feel is home, you know, through a book was, was really eye opening and awakening for me. So to give you that feedback oh, and I'm you. just sharing, I'm just kind of yeah. becoming aware of that now as we're speaking that that, it did have that impact uh, on me as I was reading it. Very, yeah, much more so than a, a nonfiction ever could. Yeah. So there's definitely magic in that creativity and bringing order and bringing some wisdom through. Mm. And to give you some context about this, you know, I, the, the book started. Um, I, I knew I'd write a second book after I'd written the first book, but I had no idea what it was about. Yeah, and then the idea, the the seed idea came in. Write twelve short stories, and the reason for that is that um, short stories are quick to write. Number one, the other book took me fifteen years and fifteen other books before it got published. I wrote <laughs> yes. it before I got any of my published. It became my sixteenth book, and I thought if I'm going to get a book out quicker than this now, the best way to do it is short story. So in science fiction, which I kind of love, that was my original um, yeah. go-to when I was a, a teenager. Um, two things happen. One is that short, there's a massive short story tradition. You know, so mm-hmm. whole films have been based on a short story of Asimov yeah. or something like that. The the, the film Arrival uh, was based on a, a story oh, yeah. by Ted Chiang, a story yeah. about my life. Uh, I love his writing. And um, and so I thought, great, well, why don't I write a book? And I was thinking Netflix miniseries when I wrote it as well, that sort of stuff. And then each, each book can be like a... a uh, tales of the unexpected type of thing you know where a different insertion happens what have you so that's number one two is you've got the number 12 right but that's all i had and i think i had the last story and i had the first story and so the first story introduces this concept of a duodex which is the end book then takes it on and then that opens a loop to what the third book's going to mm. be right? so even though i hadn't written the third book at that time i just knew it was going to be called the duodex and it'd be the next thing and you've got your mind map and i knew i had the numbers one to twelve to play with then the seed comes in just as you finish one chapter the idea for the next chapter comes in you kind of know where it's going to go roughly but i didn't know what, i didn't know where i was going to place it in space or time and as you know i go from the start of the universe to the near end yeah. of the universe didn't quite know where they're going to be in time but i knew i'd jump up and down timelines and stuff like that uh, but three pops in what have you when i got to number six right um it went wild so numbers one to six are fairly linear in terms mm. of short stories they're placed in certain times 
after that, it went a bit uh, bizarre and bonkers and, uh, and wonderful. And I didn't know what was going to happen at that point. And I still don't. I have to go and read those stories myself to remind myself what was written. Hmm. So how, and this is a great question, because I'm also feeling this right now in our, in our conversation. Like, um, I'm really, want, you know, in the unknown with the conversation, I don't, I don't have a list of questions. I really want to be open to, you know, what, what, what is unfolding and what's here. So, and you do, you do that so beautifully on your writing and you're saying that it, you know, you, you, you make it sound so easy. Like, you know, I finish one chapter and then the next chapter just arrives or just comes. Is there, has it always been easy? Number one. And number two, is there a way, is there a practice? Is there something that helps you and others could um, be in that space, be in that kind of open receptive space without that kind of, you know, the tension that arises from being in the unknown and being in the mystery? The answer is yes, it's always been there. Um, uh, I think, uh, it, but, but what happened in my 40s when I started to meditate, uh, I started to understand the process more and then made it more, uh, I, could, I could conjure it up on demand then. So um, pretty much soon into my writing career, I wrote a book on uh, the art and science of light moments, how you have an idea and how you ground it and, and that sort of stuff. And I started to also mess with time and I found it was fairly easy to imagine you were tuning in to your future self mm. who knew the words you hadn't written mm. yet. And I found also that when you go into the meditative state and stay in the meditative state, time expands. So one is uh, left brain, right brain. So right brain sits outside space and time, left brain sits inside space and time. That's another uh, generalization, but a more accurate model than left brain logical, right brain creative. Yeah. But it goes right back to the ancient Greeks with the two gods of Kronos and Kairos. They knew that we would have this bifurcation in our heads. You know, we're, we are bifurcated as beings because we've got one side of the brain that works one way and one side that works the other way. Then, um, so, so I, I learned how to get left and right brain working together. You go into this, this state, I call it EMT, extended me time. So time just stretches <laughs> around the task in hand. Yeah. When you've got a meditative, when you're in the meditative state with your eyes open, you don't get other thoughts, random thoughts coming in other than the creative flow that's coming through you with a quiet mind. Cause you know, you've got this, this, this idea, you can only have one thought at a time. So if you're thinking about, you're writing away and you're thinking about what you're having for supper or something you did yesterday, that you regret, then you'll lose focus on the now. So you stay in the now a lot more, but what I specifically do is then say channel this, they call it chat. channeling is just you getting out of the way and letting something come through. I don't call it to get in touch with the dear departed. You just channel in this flow and it definitely comes through you. And it comes through pretty much as what you, what people will normally do a third draft mm. you're doing in first draft because mm. you're tuning into the book you've written in the future that you haven't quite written yet. Mm. And that's just a, it's just an exercise of imagination, but it seems to work. So staying in the, so I meditate in the morning. I always write in the morning, create in the morning, meditate in the morning, slide into my creative task in the morning. And then around this sort of time, I'd then do a, a podcast or some networking or a Zoom or something of that sort of nature. Yeah. And the other big trick I'd give to everybody is I make dates and appointments yeah. with my chapters. So, uh, you know, like, like today, I've just done chapter, chapter one of the new book. It's in my diary. Mm. That's what I'm going to do. And by making a date with it, all the information you need for it just turns up. So you mm. see a little article in the news somewhere, or you see a new thing, a new scientist, or you can use, or someone mentions to you, or you see a number on a, on a, a number on a plate of a car or something like that, and, and, or a coincidence comes your way and you can use it. Then the other thing that happens is all the things you need around you to make things happen, they show up. So people that can help you on your path, they also show up just at the perfect time too. Mm. So just, it takes trust. Mm. And, and also it, also the money to pay your bills and to keep you fed and this sort of stuff while you're, while you're working on this stuff. Mm. So it's like you're catalyzing things, aren't you? You're, you have an intention yeah. and then everything kind of catalyzes around that point, around that, that creation. Yeah. Yeah. And you said it, it takes trust and that's a good, that's a good, good next question I had is that... Uh, I think someone has to my microphone's just changed there we go is it is in your experience or of perhaps your own experience but also seeing other people is it like a muscle is it something that you just have to develop over time and and build trust in yourself and 
in this catalyzation, if that's a word, um, process? Yeah, so my, if you look, just look at my book history, the first few books, I, I did write a book of poetry first that um, came into me at uh, 39,000 feet on a 747 oh, yeah. off the Atlantic. Yeah. But then I, then I, I went fairly uh, uh, process-driven. And so my first few books were like a process book, you know, put this put this in an input A here, turn this handle uh, B, and then you get C out the other end. So they, they wrote, wrote like workshop manuals. Then I wrote some books of, on metaphysics. Then I wrote some books on philosophy. All the time, I was uh, increasing my capabilities as a writer. Hmm. And and then lastly, uh, when into fiction, um, I thought, well, I'll do this big book that's been burning a hole in my head for many, many years that I, I allowed to come out. Then I thought, I'll, I want to try to be a short story writer i want to know what that's like the latest book i'm writing it in the first person from a female's perspective as well so i'm i'm, I'm imagining i'm this female in the future she has to happens to have uh, six tentacles because she's an octopus human hybrid <laughs> and so it makes you imagine what it's like if i, if I was born mm. with six tentacles what, mm. what would my life be like and i'm also a female and mm. what have you so that's, that's one of the characters in there. There's going to be two other characters. I don't even know the other two characters yet, mm. but I know there'll be two other main characters in there. Mm. And I'll write from their perspective as well. And actually, you know, writing in different persons is a good exercise too. So each time I pick up a book project, apart from the content of the book, I'm trying to improve myself as a writer. Each time I write a meditation, I'm trying to improve as well in the delivery of that meditation. The music gets more sophisticated. My choice of words would be different and that sort of stuff. It might, my, my intention will be different as well. You know, so all the meditations of the last year are very much about helping people awake nascent aspects of their consciousness. Hmm. And it sounds very joyful and playful as well, the way you're describing the writing process for you. It feels very expansive. Yeah, and like, really yeah. Really and actually bend the bounds of what is possible. You know, because if, if someone's just got two arms and two legs, then they can only... <laughs> and once you've got six, bearing in mind there's some other, there's some other beings in the same story that got 12. Uh, and that's, that's, that's spoken about in the, in the 12th book of Insertions. Uh, you, you just imagine a different world in the same way if i if, as i said before if you invent a new word then it expands your consciousness if you mm. expand it, invent a new being with another sensibility it, it sort of extends where you can go in in a story mm. and he used to say uh, well it's, it's a personal theory of mine is once we imagine something if we can imagine it, it's possible so gene roddenberry had um communicators in star trek in the 60s and we've all now got communicators and he had we haven't quite done teleportation yet but i'm sure that'll come and so who's to say the things that i and loads of other writers are imagining can't be true you know when especially when you take um the book soul waves starts in 2058 and it's based in beijing and wuhan yeah, yeah. And, you know, i've never been i've been to beijing once on business for three days but i've never been to wuhan so why have these come into my consciousness mm. and why why is wuhan and beijing in the news right now and also uh, the trajectory of china you know on, on the world stage as well that's that's moving uh, rapidly you know they've got their own bitcoin currency now and this sort of stuff lots of things happening over there we can't ignore uh, uh how that's going to shift the axis of the world over the next few years i think in a good way as well you know so you can be fearful about um a force like china because yeah. they seem a bit mysterious and we don't know the language and that kind of thing perhaps but again you know what what are chinese people thinking with mandarin and all the other dialects that we're not thinking in the west Mm. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Or which yeah. which kind of waves or consciousness have they access to because of the language that they have that we don't have access to because of the, the kind of the different language or the limitations yeah, I suspect, of life? I suspect, and this is just me tuning in, that they've got a, a, a different sense of collectivity. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I heard this, I read this or heard this story that when you look at, they did this test where they gave people you know a, an image of a tiger in a jungle to look at and in the western world you would look at the tiger on its own in the middle and if you looked at but if they gave the same image to people in say china or japan they would look at the outside first they would look at what's happening around rather than what's happening in the center what's happening in the collective instead of our, our focus is more trained to be focused on the the center and the individual 
So maybe that's... And what's fascinating about that is actually that comes from the, the, the wiring that we have through our language because we, we have a, a language where our words map into a syllable. Yeah. So this came from the language transition that went in Sumerian times from, from pictogrammic kind of language into syllabic language. And so a, a syllable then has got to combine with another syllable to make a word. Yeah. Uh, in Asian cultures, you've got pictures and so their left, right, their left, uh, right brain wiring is slightly different to us. Oh, wow! Until they get immersed into our world and pick up our language, and then they start to slew into more of a left brain bias. Yeah. And, and similarly, if we were to pick up Mandarin, we would uh, open up that side of our our, our being. As well. And was the left brain the the outside of time and space, outside of time? That's, that's inside time and space. Inside time, yeah, that makes sense. That makes but remember, sense. the brain's plastic, so once you once you think differently the brain instantly rewires so yeah. you know we're in a position now where we could we're actually in control of our own evolution with the yeah. spots that we have now so we can yeah. actually start to think differently be differently yeah. and if that involves growing another tentacle or two then yes 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 and that's a really good point actually so and that's a question that comes from that is how can people let's say utilize or play with creativity may it be writing may it be music may it be whatever they feel drawn to to travel and expand their awareness and their consciousness and to i say travel because i really mean travel you know into the invisible formless worlds that um, that we are also part of is there a way that people can actually use that as a as a practice or as a a, a way for healing for growth for yeah, expansion. Oh, great question. Well, I think meditation is the key, personally. So this 10-minute 10, 10 meditation every single day yeah. is the key because it just allows you to get off the world for a while so you can jump back on it again. Mm. And then you can then change how you want to re-engage with the world. So apart, apart from your, your brain just starting up in the morning and going in and it's whatever its direction it normally goes in, yeah. you could say, actually, this is the, this is the world I'd like to... To, to live in and your thoughts literally become things not in a kind of a secret way that but the thoughts are actual uh, energies you know so thought forms uh, so manifest themselves in my experience they manifest themselves back in time so I, something manifests in my world then i have the thought later on of, oh that's useful didn't realize that was going to be, <laughs> be useful um so yeah meditation is the key for it and then within meditation there's just so many different types of meditation as you know i like mine are quite practical so it's mm. like how you can meditate to change the speed of time how you can meditate to tune into a light bulb moment how you can tune into your future self and yeah. and that kind of thing um and by going on that journey you end up with a potential in your life fundamentally changing right um, from the ground up and you're not ruled by your thoughts. I call when you, when you get thoughts going round and round your head. I call it a mindfall. You get lost in a mindfall, like like a waterfall. Yeah. And, and and this often thoughts can go round and round and round in your head. And of course, then you you're fixed in that loop. But if you control your thoughts, and meditation is not about having no thoughts at all. It's about having a different relationship with your thoughts. Then you can transform. But something really really exciting um, I want to share is that. Um, two million years ago or so um, humans didn't have the word they didn't have self-awareness uh, I've written about that fictionally in book insertion number three uh, Ad, Ada and Eva obviously Adam yeah. and Eve <laughs> and, and I wrote about that fictionally in, the, in that story um, and what happened was we took control of our voice box uh, which is our fifth chakra point from our sixth chakra which is our third eye Mm -hmm. driven by the seventh chakra which is the crown so these are a little bit esoteric thoughts but imagine that most thoughts aren't your own they come in through the crown get interpreted by the third eye past the left and right brain for processing and then if you want to share that thought with someone else what you do is you vibrate your voice box like this and the sound comes out and goes into someone's head and they have a similar thought <laughs> or different depending on what they think of your thoughts now that is magic isn't it we don't give that a second thought nowadays mm. But over 100 years ago, and I can only guess that this is predated by some time as well, Rudolf Steiner, uh, I read, I've read this book by him called How to Know the Higher Worlds. And then he took, oh no, Cosmic Memory, Cosmic Memory. You've got to read two books together, Cosmic Memory and How to Know the Higher Worlds. And they talk about how we're, we're on the cusp of taking control, conscious control of the lower chakra points. 
and I know, and I've got meditations that uh, that teach how to do it, how to control your fifth chakra, which is your heart center. Um, with that, we didn't know before we controlled our fifth. Sorry, the fourth chakra is is the heart center. When we, before we control our fifth chakra, we didn't know we could speak with it. We didn't know we could sing. Yeah. We didn't know we could uh, be hateful and hurtful, or all, all the things you do with your your fifth chakra uh, nowadays we don't know the things you can do with your heart chakra but i do know one of the things you can do with it is heal which is great one of the things that you can also do with it is you can increase the love field around you so you attract into your life the things that you love mm. now that's pretty cool isn't it Mm. Yeah. and i don't mean just it can be soulmates um, but it can also just be all the lovely things that you need in your life to, yeah. to, to live a wonderful life yeah. and i also know then if you just extrapolate down to the lower chakra points the solar plexus the sacral and the root then it's my understanding that when we take conscious control of those centers those energy centers we can do things like teleport and levitate and mm. that sort of thing and the reason i say that is that i did do once a full body levitation by accident once so i've experienced it and i I keep getting these little samples of things that, you know, do you realize yeah. this could happen, Tom? And I get shown it, and then I have to go and reverse engineer. <laughs> and I have this recurring dream where I'm teaching levitation to a group of Oh, that's exciting. Isn't it exciting? Yeah, that's but, super but, exciting. But, but, but one of the things I say about levitation, there's no point learning to levitate unless you know how to unlevitate. To otherwise land. <laughs> at 39,000 feet and suffocating. So. Hmm. <laughs> So what I'm getting as you're sharing is this real sense that creativity, so a creative practice or a creative expression, it, it expands our sense of, of possibility, our sense of self into our, into our daily life. So from all of this, from, you know, from your writing, from your, from your music, from your composing, or from even someone who just has you know, any creative outlet that allows them to kind of travel and expand and access more formless and intangible aspects from what you're sharing it really it 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 transforms us it moves us it allows us to then start to really create our entire lives and not just be responding or reactionary or doing you know what we've always done but allows us to 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 kind of create a space of, of possibility for us to then utilize what we're learning in our creative practice in all aspects of our life. Yeah, and, and, and there's a new, I think there's a new level of morality and ethics around that. So, so humankind have always learned this over the years, and we've been incredibly innovative. You know, we wouldn't be having this conversation over Zoom if it wasn't for all these innovations that we've had. Yeah. But some of that has been done at the, to the detriment of some other people on the planet, to yeah. other life forms on the planet planet itself so i do feel that we're that that lesson is largely being learned now and, and some old guards are falling away and all ways of being are falling away and we're coming to a new phase of, of planetary stewardship mm. where we're seeing that you know we could not exist if it wasn't we're such a tiny percentage of the biosphere i think we're 0.001 percent of all living uh, entities on the planet that's what we are but we represent a self-aware aspect of it mm. but we're not the only self-aware beings on the planet we've got cetaceans and uh, primates and, and what have you and also they thought that some some birds are self-aware octopi certainly they've got well they're, they're not only self-aware but they have a, a, a an awareness which is off planet yeah which is something i love exploring uh, yeah. um and, and they're they're amazing creatures but uh, obviously come from a different star system as far as i'm concerned uh, i call them in my my fictional writing the interplanetary couriers yeah. they can carry they can carry a lot in their folds of their mm. in the folds of their their tentacles they can carry a lot of um of cell, cellular life and transport it from one planet to another mm. so I, I suspect they're they're a bit wiser and different from us and they look different don't they, they just look strange they look alien which is mm. just great uh, and but I, I, I do think we're coming to this new phase of of we're understanding our role in the big scheme of things and also the possibilities of what happens when we become stewards of a planet. Hmm. And quite frankly, I think we should sort this planet out before we start going to mess up another one like Mars. Hmm. Yeah. And it's, I like the word interplanetary carriers. And I, I want to apply that also to, to let's call it creatives, awakening creatives who, um, can create whatever it is, you know, channel whatever it is, whatever it is that they're here to, 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 to channel and wants to be born through them. It, f- it feels a bit that we are 
in when we create from that space into what's it call it interdimensional carriers mm-hmm. uh, being able to weave something that you know might be very much outside of our of our norm of our of our day-to-day of our mind's view of our perspective of what being human is and and kind of bring that into into yeah bring that into form bring that into reality hmm. yeah just profound i'm just through this conversation i'm really you know experiencing creativity and writing and yeah creation from a different perspective i mean it's something in my energy and my consciousness right now all these things are are tingling and moving um and it's i'm i'm fascinated by you know what you're bringing as with this gift and this experience and the story and what we can we can learn from that what i'm so certainly you know learning and receiving from your work is being able to be this bridge and this portal is another word that comes for what on the surface might just look absolutely bonkers you know like the someone who's half octopus and half man is on the surface absolutely bonkers but there's you know there's truth in it there's reality in it there's expansion in it there's possibility and there's kind of uh, this is kind of new agey but there's like you know truth encoded into into creativity um into the expression which is which is the juicy bit you know it might not even be about the octopus and the half half human half half octopus but it's about like what what's the wisdom that comes with that does that make sense what i'm saying it does and if you think about uh, think about um, a different aspect of us we see ourselves as this physical form don't we this three-dimensional form yeah it's on the earth plane but if you imagine that we're actually nine-dimensional beings experiencing this three-dimensional reality with a forward direction of time everything starts to make a bit more sense and then going back to the minor arcana which described the archetypal the creative and formative plane yeah. these are the odd planes so the archetypal plane is 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 the is level nine and this is as we're made we are made of ideas mm. and then we have another uh, layer which is the thought layer that's the eighth dimension then we have another layer, which is the creative plane, which is our seventh dimensional aspect. Then we have another layer, which is the, uh, what's the sixth layer? The sixth layer is the light layer. So Lucifer is, uh, the devil is a, is a change maker. The devil energy is a change maker, works at the sixth dimensional energy. And there's beings that just hang out in those levels as well that don't densify that we can tune into. And then we have the creative, uh, the, the formative layer, which is the, the fifth dimension. And then what crystallizes the fifth dimension into the third dimension, the, the layer between that is the time layer. So we've got thought, um, light, and, and, and time as the glue layers between these other four layers. And here we are sitting in time, mm. beings of light with thoughts. And this, so it kind of is a model that describes us quite nicely. And once you accept that that's what you are, that's your potential, and you can tap into any of this, and recombine it in any way you so choose and like. Whoa, that's big. Wow, yeah. Don't limit yourself, don't limit yourself to 12 tentacles when you might want a third <laughs> <laughs> And you've just given words into kind of what I was feeling or sensing. You've just kind of brought that into words and into, into a more solid solidity um, as an yeah. experience. Uh, that's beautiful. And it really is, you know, to summarize divine potential and creativity, the magic of creativity is that we, you know, this is a doorway to this, this potential, this imagination and, to, you know, to accessing far more than we think or often we're taught to think that we, we have access to and that we can do and create. Yeah. yeah so to me to me the, the biggest potential is is that we've been become very good physicists you know that, that humankind we've become masters of manipulating the earth plane yeah. and that came about because we separated from source and that was a good thing because it made us be self become self-sufficient with the materials and we got and get our hands on on this planet they're talking about getting it from asteroids and mars at the moment and so we shouldn't make these other planets until we sort out this one yeah um uh, and in, in, but now we can embrace metaphysics, which is beyond the word meta means above and beyond, and we can take metaphysics and get 
physics to combine. And then the wondrous thing we can do with that is amazing. We can become energy free. There's more energy hitting the planet every single day than we ever consume. And so why are we burning fossil fuels when we don't need to? Yeah. Great change is happening all over uh, in that right now. And I'm sure by the end of this century, we're going to be in a completely different state. In the same way, we're in a different state now from where we were 100 years ago. That should yeah. accelerate. Yeah. New people coming around, so you know, people are thinking about how they can have an eco career yeah. and what happens. And the, the word eco will disappear because that's just the way we are. Yeah, we won't be we won't be eco in the future. We'll just be this different way, which happens to be eco. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah I feel that too, and I really, I, I believe that too, and I hope for that too as well in my heart, of course, as well. Um, and how could how could we make this practical for someone who's listening and? Um, what would be some a takeaway, like practical point or a few points for someone who's listened to this whole conversation and wants to to begin their their journey of exploring and um, creating and um, bridging their divine potential? Well, uh, there's there's two things I want. To, the the practice is meditation. How to make it practical is to have a point of the meditation. Yeah. So if you could just imagine something that would make your life really matter and meaningful, mm. what would that be? Right. What would be, what would, what would, let's, let's, let's be, let's start from a selfish perspective, right? What would make your life fantastic and joyful? Start with yourself first, right? So imagine that, whatever that might be, and be as grand as you like in that thought. Then imagine when you're in this joyful place, uh, how that makes people around you feel, and then what do they do as a result? And as a result of them doing that thing, which is crystallized and catalyzed from your joy, how do they then change the world? Right? Then it comes back full circle. So that's the place to start, I would say, just with a dream and an idea. And it can be as practical as like um, the Mr. McCorber principle in Charles Dickens. He says that uh, income, income 20 shillings, expenditure 20 shillings and sixpence this is old money in english uh, equals misery income 20 shillings expenditure 19 shillings six was happiness you know so it could just be the balance of in, inflow and outflow mm -hmm. in your world of, of money resources that could be a good start right mm -hmm. and and what i say there is that if you just increase your promise and it says on our pound notes i promise to pay the very just increase your promise by learning a new skill then all of a sudden you've maxed, you've, you've increased the number of things that you can get money rewards back for you know, in lockdown, only people have been learning new things, which I think is great. We have more space and time. We're not commuting as much and all that sort of stuff. So learning a bit of something new, which is great. And certainly with me, when I learned to meditate, I didn't know that was me going on a journey to teach meditation to mm. people. That wasn't part of the plan, but it was like, I, I need to meditate because I look haggard. I was stressed. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't in a good place, right? So the, the, initial, the initial benefit was for me obviously then that spills around to people around me mm. and then it led to a whole new career i didn't even know existed okay. i didn't know there was a job as a meditation teacher <laughs> also what wasn't known at the time is that you can actually uh, make a, a reasonable income as a meditation teacher uh, ethically uh, and what have you and funnily enough that the seed of that income is to give lots of stuff away for free mm. And it comes back from other directions that you weren't expecting, which is kind mm. of key. Mm. And that's the, the same would be for anyone listening to this that wants to uh, change the world, change the world, go out there, give lots out, and then you find that whatever comes back is infinitely more valuable than what you could ever imagine. Mm. And in the way it comes back, it's just special as well. That's beautiful. You're on this path. Yeah. And that's just number one thing. And then when you do number one thing, then number two gets revealed to you and number three gets revealed to you. But you won't get to the... The, the the revelation of number three unless you do number one yeah do you take the steps yeah yeah, yeah. And, and you touched on lockdown which is a good thing to quickly dive into um i'm curious to hear your take on lockdown and how it's in fact impacting um people in in terms of what we've been speaking about in terms of their the awakening in terms of their creativity in terms of their their potential to transform and to access higher higher states of awareness and consciousness what's your perspective on that on what's currently going on well i want to honestly clear through of any conspiracy theory or any thought that you know, the, the the virus was perhaps created by mother earth to to curtail the excesses of the human race um, and that 
sort of thing. So, because uh, I don't have any evidence for that, uh, but that could be one potential uh, theory. Yeah. But you know, we've got to look at all the good things that have come from from it. The fact that we've stopped, we're not flying as much. We realise that some of the things that we were doing are, are, are not the way we need to do things. I always thought commuting was a really stupid thing to do. Why waste? you know, a day of your life just getting to and from work. And, you know, it's great to go and meet people. I hope we can get back to doing that again soon. Uh, but I hope that a lot of people go into a hybrid way of working, where they go into the office maybe one or two days a week and what have you. And then with that extra time, what can we do collectively, individually and collectively, which would be amazing. So so lockdown, is, there's, there's, there's a part of, obviously it's very sad all the people have lost their lives or now are debilitated by by the disease because this, this uh, long COVID thing seems yeah. to be a thing. Uh, that's one thing but also look at the how humanity's come together as well look at all the things that all the good things that are happening through it individually i've never been more creative so i'm just my my creative my creativity level pre-lockdown was pretty high it's now gone a bit um off the scale <laughs> so, so I'm, getting, I'm getting more done and i'm getting more done because there's more less 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 time or what have you. i'm spending a lot of time on zoom and so I've, yeah. I've, i'm waiting for it till zoom becomes less of a thing just for a while uh, uh but uh, it, yeah that's my view is i think lockdown is is it there's, there's good to come from all these things and in general um when you go on this journey as well if you set yourself on a journey to awaken stuff that you need to deal with from a karmic's perspective will uh raise its head mm. and so when adversity comes along the first thing to do is to thank it because it's something you need to deal with so you can evolve to the next level. But also from adversity comes opportunity. So from all the things that I was stuck with in my life, I wrote a book about it, created some meditations of it, got me through that thing and then took me to the next level and the next level. So, uh, and, and if it just did that, it's got, it's, it's a bonus. If it can help other people as well, then it's a, a double and triple bonus. So uh, yeah, this journey of awakening, um, some people say that, uh, you know, so there's a guilt thing because of religion i think when when spiritual to go on the spiritual path has to be hard and you have to be spiritually poor and all this sort of stuff and yeah you can't live in luxury and the sort of stuff. i personally think that's a that's an old paradigm we don't need to an old mindset we don't need to adhere to anymore um and actually the flip side is true is that uh, when you start to live a life of abundance then the stuff coming in is a, is a signifier of how well you're doing it and you shouldn't be guilty about that, but you can definitely share for free, which I do, how other people can emulate that. Hmm. Yeah, so if I learn a magic trick, yeah. one of the first things I do is share it freely and, uh, and widely. I just lost your audio then, uh, Edward. Still, I'll just stop my video. Um, You're back, that's great. I'm back, okay, great. Um, yeah, I was just saying, uh, what was I saying? Well, first of all, saying thank you for a very, well, for me, very um, revealing. You would like to, is there anything that you would like to, to add? Well, I'd just like to say that if anyone actually does want to reach out and uh, ask any questions, I've got a massive, massive portfolio of stuff and uh, the start of 2020 this is pre-lockdown before any thought that was going to happen i made the decision to make all my pre-2020 stuff free yeah so i took all my courses i used to charge for and i made them free uh, and but there's so much of it you might not know where to start so you're gonna you listen to any of the stuff and you say i like the sound of some of that then let me know i'll either point you at a resource i've got on insight timer for free or in my free resources area you just come to my website and get it but you might get overwhelmed because I've created so much stuff over the years and you might <laughs> need to point to where to go. 
Uh, and then uh, post post twenty post um, twenty twenty, all my new stuff I'm putting into this new app um, uh, called Soundwise and what have you. And again, there's tons of that as well. So you might need a pointer of where to go with that. I've said that. Soul waves is the starting point. That's this. That's the future history of Earth over the next uh, uh, ninety years or so. That's a good place to start. But I've written and designed the whole suite of books, so you can dive into any particular one at any time and then backtrack. You know, so even though there's a chronology. A kind of chronology to them you can actually dive in at any point but you might find that and i've done this with a lot of people um the music the music is where to dive into or the meditations where to dive into and then you find the, the the fictional story afterwards you know what i mean so because i'm so creative i'm very happy to give people pointers depending on where they are mm. say. and I, I might even also say by the way it's not me you need to listen to this guide as well so there's some of the people people i could point people out as well they can well with so for example if, if people are manifesting certain things in their world i do know of lots of other people that might be able to help them in a better way than me and i'd mm. be the first person to say you need to pop over here yeah great Great, thank you. And so how, how do people connect with you? What's the best uh, web address or email? Yeah, it's just uh, tomevans.co.co mm-hmm. and uh, whatever I'm working on now tends to be on the front page. I keep a blog on there which has got my own podcasts on it and uh, a blog of what I'm working on. I've reverted my blog to uh, not being a, a, a set of articles but being um, a, a sort of journal of what I'm up to mm-hmm. you know what I mean so you can dive in any month and see what the latest uh, creation is and what I'm what I'm thinking and where I'm going with it which is great yeah so that's the best way www.tomevans.co okay perfect well thank you Tom it's been a real pleasure I feel like I need to go now just and, and integrate all of that wisdom all of that information and just download it. it yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> yeah really thank you very very much for for being a guest and a pleasure to meet you and thank you for your beautiful work thank you yeah. oh thank you and thanks for asking all the right questions in the right <laughs> order it's been a joy and a pleasure yeah.